we're beginning a new series, uh, and it's God Speaks. And we're looking at the minor prophets. Throughout the summer this year, what we will do is I will take a minor prophet and try and unpack it to you in one message. I'm already looking at the time. I'm in trouble. And I will try and unpack it for you in one message so that when you can connect in. So today we're looking at the prophet Hosea and the message that comes. Next week we'll be looking at Joel and then Amos, and we'll be working our way through the summer. Each uh, Sunday, we will unpack a minor prophet. Of course, in Jewish tradition, the minor prophets are one book, 12 books, but read as one book of prophetic poetry speaking into the life of Israel. And so we are going to talk about Hosea, 14 chapters. So you'll get lunch about six o'clock. Uh, 14 chapters. Uh, And I have entitled this, God's Relentless Love. Because what comes through the book of Hosea, and if you open up, you'll be able to flick through. There's a whole um, series of sermons, poetry, of communication that takes place. I Love is an amazing thing. Marriage is an amazing thing. When you are married and you choose to love and you choose to commit and there are those basic fundamentals that make marriage work. Trust, safety, acceptance, communication, intimacy. And whenever you find that those principles of marriage are eaten away, the marriage starts to go into a free fall. Because where there's no trust, where there's anxiety, where there's no communication, where there's not tenderness, the worst thing for any marriage is cynicism. The moment we can tell as pastors when a marriage is in trouble, when one of the, of the um, partners becomes cynical towards the other, and there's a cynicism that comes in like a cancer that rocks a marriage. But marriage is a beautiful thing as well. Christian marriage, built on scripture, is incredible. It is glorious to be able to pray together. It is glorious to be able to spend time and to communicate well together. It is glorious to build that attachment around Christ Jesus, who brings that strength into our lives. And that is amazing. Hosea, of course, deals with marriage, but not a good marriage. Hosea deals with a strange story. It is a strange story. If you don't know the story of Hosea, let me explain it to you. It's a strange story and speaks of commitment. It speaks of God's commitment towards Israel. And it speaks of Hosea's commitment to his wife, Goma. It speaks of a profound commitment that is willing to live out of forgiveness. Because God is reaching out to the nation, the northern kingdom of Israel, and saying, I want to forgive you. I want you to come back. I love you. And then God asks the prophet, Hosea, to do something which is uncomfortable in Scripture. 
It's uncomfortable for me to read. It's uncomfortable for us to try and work through. He asks the prophet to marry a woman who is a prostitute, is an adulterer, who has a propensity towards infidelity. And God asks Hosea, marry this woman. Now, I don't know about you. But if one of my associate pastors came to me who was single and said, I want to marry this lady. But she's, you know, been operating as a prostitute. What do you think? The Lord's telling me to do this. I might have a few things to say about the wisdom of that. About, listen to this. What are you doing here? I think it's a sign for Willow Park Church. Really? (laughs) You know, this is uncomfortable. This is not not easy reading. This is God saying, I want you to associate prophet Hosea. I want you to associate with my emotions and my feelings to live with somebody that is full of betrayal. Because what I want to show in the writings of 14 chapters of Hosea is this. I want to show you my nature. That my nature is relentlessly full of love. That my nature cares for people. That my nature is to reach out. And as God of heaven, my nature is always to be completely and utterly faithful. That's my nature. Your nature, Israel, your nature, humanity, is to be unfaithful, uncommitted, unloyal. Your nature is sinful, but God's nature is always pursuing with his love and with his grace. So the Hosea takes place in a time around, around 750 B.C. It's a difficult period. The the nation of Israel has been split in half. To the south, you've got Judah. To the north, you've got Israel. Israel is not seeking to serve God. So a couple of things. Politically, what has taken place over the 25 years of Hosea's preaching or so, and over his ministry, we know that Israel went through Three kind of periods. Period number one was when the middle classes were booming. House prices were up. Everything was fantastic. The champagne was flowing. The stock market was high. They were hobnobbing with all of the great uh, nations around. They were prospering. It was wonderful. It was amazing. Scene one. Scene two is that they were double dealing. They were starting to war against each other. Civil war broke out in Israel. And suddenly, they were starting to make deals with Egypt and Samaria. And Assyria, who was their overlord, was looking at this and becoming frustrated by their two-faced activities. And there was this war going within this socially. And step three, in 722 BC, Assyria descends and obliterates Israel and takes them away. And that's the end of the northern kingdom. But before that happens, God is pursuing the nation. God is saying to them, look what you've done. Politically, you are ignoring the poor and living for consumerism. Politically, you are warring with each other and becoming a two-faced nation. 
and one day, like a lion or a leopard descending, I am going to judge you. So what was going on spiritually? Spiritually, Israel has be, had become synchronized with the God of Baal. In fact, they'd lost all knowledge. That famous verse in Hosea that says, your priests do not have knowledge. They do not have understanding. There is not knowledge that is there. And they became Baal worshippers. Baal worship was built around fertility. It was built around sex. It was built about the harvest and about temple prostitutes. And it was built around um, the worship of Baal that would bring... Uh, that fruitfulness, that fertility, that, um, that life to the land through worshipping the gods of the region. And God looked at this and saw the way that they synchronized their belief with culture and society. And God hated this because, he, as he says in Hosea, you are worshipping wood instead of the living God. You are worshipping things. You are worshipping the fertility gods of sex and, and, and living in a, in a world that is, that is drenched in betrayal and, and hedonistic approach. And, and I look at this and you don't even, and what happened was they got confused even between who Yahweh was and Baal was and the words became intertwined. So politically they were playing a two-faced game. And ignoring the poor. Spiritually, they had no spiritual fiber. They had given up the laws of the Lord. So what do we know about Hosea? We actually know very little about him. We know nothing about his childhood. I can't tell you about particularly how he was as a child, how he grew up, what went on, what took place. What I can tell you is that Hosea was a northern man. He had an accent. The Greek, sorry, the Hebrew is unique in Hosea. In fact, there's words in the Hebrew that are not used in any other Hebrew text because it's very regional. So we know that he's a local man with a local accent who writes poetry using the local approach. So he's got an accent. Can you imagine that? He's got an accent. And I love, you know, and so they, they've really had to work through how to, how to understand the words because some words mean different things. Like in the Yukon, I was hanging out with Yukon people. They're like, when, they go, when they're going to Vancouver, they, they are going out of the Yukon, they say, we're going outside. Now, the Yukon is the size of Spain and there's only 35,000 people live there. But when they talk about going south, they call it going outside. And that's the kind of issue that they had. But so we know he's a northern man. We know he's a local man. We know people know him. And he marries a woman. And God says to him, I, when the Lord began to speak through Hosea, the Lord said to him, go marry a promiscuous woman and have a children with her. For like an adulterous wife, this land is guilty of unfaithfulness to the Lord. So we know that he went and he married Gomer. And she was adulterous. And she was unfaithful. 
And so he married Goma, daughter Diblain, and she conceived and bore him a son. We know that that first son was his. There's two children that would come, we're not so sure. Doesn't indicate completely they may have been sons of her lovers. So, and they gave them names. In English, the names are quite disturbing. The first son that was born is called, really, basically, defeat. You are defeated. The second child was called no mercy. You are unloved. The third child was really called um, that you have no status. You are abandoned. You are orphaned. So, What the Lord was speaking through this was these children, the fruit of your unfaithfulness, creates this problem. And the problem that is created is that you will be defeated if you keep living the way that you're living. You will not experience the love of God and the mercy of God if you keep living the way that you're living. And you will certainly not function as a child and as a loved one in the kingdom of God if you do not turn from your ways. And so, their mother has been unfaithful and conceived them in disgrace. That's where we get that idea. She said, I will go after my lovers who give me my food, my water, my wool, and my linen, and my olive oil, and my drink. See, this is what was motivating Goma, is that she'll leave Hosea and she'll run after all of these riches, all of these these consumer goods, all of this wonderful stuff. And she'll go with this man and he'll provide everything. And God is saying to the nation of Israel, you are running after everything around the land, but you are not running after me. And what I'm looking for you is utter loyalty. I'm looking for commitment. I'm looking that in this journey you will be committed to me. So we know that Goma left Hosea. We know that she probably went from relationship to relationship, but the man she ended up with got tired of her and got tired of using her, got tired of that relationship and took her to the slave market And we know from ancient history, she would have been stripped naked, stood in the slave market, and there she was to be sold into, trafficked into prostitution. But Hosea went to the slave market, and as he went to the slave market, we see this amazing verse here. So I brought her 15 shekels of silver, about a hammer and a lethic of barley. He went, he saw her in the slave market, and he purchased her and brought her back. Now what we know about this story is that this is a lot of money. What we know about it was this would have bankrupt Hosea. This cost him everything. He had to give up all he had to buy back the adulterous 
wife because he was making this statement that she is in the slave market and he has gone to show God's love, to show God's faithfulness, to show God's loyalty. I am going to show how much God loves the people of Israel. They are in the slavery and naked and and condemned and being used and abused, but I'm going to buy her back. It's going to cost me everything. Why does this remind me that I've been in the slave market? I've stood there in the slave market. I've been a fallen sinner. I have lost my way. I was broken without any hope. I was a slave to sin. I was a slave to death. I was a slave to Satan. But one day, my prophet came into my slave market and he paid the full price at Calvary and he gave his life so that I could be purchased back and find freedom. That's what the prophet cries out. He cries out that you are unloyal, you are unfaithful, you're uncommitted, you are double-minded, you're synchronizing the nation with the gods of the world, and yet you have forgotten who I am. How I reached for you, how I loved you. Loyalty. Loyalty of God is un. Stoppable, relentless. Reminds me of the story of uh, Desmond Doss. The year is 1945, May 2nd. He's a medical orderly. He's part of a team, he's a conscientious objector, will not go to war. But he in the middle of that battle in the Philippines, over the next few days, and the battlefield keeps going back to rescue soldiers who are bleeding and dying and bringing them back. Keep going back into the trenches to administer medicine and care. Keep going back to carry them out. Even when his arm was utterly injured and broken, he mended it himself and, and cared for another man who was in a worse condition than him, but kept going back to drag the bodies. The reports are that he saved between 50 and 75 U.S. soldiers by his loyalty, by his bravery to go into the mess, to go into the darkness, to go into the warfare, to rescue those who were wounded and broken. You may have seen it, it, the story told in a film called Hacksaw Ridge. If you're squeamish, you shouldn't watch it. But it is that relentless loyalty that makes you keep going back to rescue the broken and the hurt that Hosea is communicating. He's saying, God is loyal. Are you loyal? God is faithful. Are you faithful? God is committed to you. You've been freed from the slave market. Are you willing to live in that freedom, in that life, in that commitment? When you look at the whole text of the 14 chapters, it breaks down into different areas. There are negative 
We know Hosea is incredibly creative. I mean, he just loves pictures. He just uses images. He talks about God being like a, uh, a wound that, with pus because he is inflicting injury on Israel. He talks about, about God being like a lion or a leopard. He talks about God being how he's going to plant uh, beautiful pine trees. He talks about God about the people being like ovens full of heat and full of anger and full of lust, like a hot oven that keeps burning deep within them. And God is going to deal with their, their fire within them. I mean, these are creative, amazing poetry and incredible uh, pictures that are brought. He talks about the fact that, that, that God, that he sees them like a heifer that is stuck. He sees them like, like the dew in the morning that just disappears that he uses all of these pictures, that they are like uh, sticks that are broken. That, and he goes on. There's about 11 beautiful key pictures. But when you look through, what can we draw from Hosea as I draw this to close? Well, there are six things I want to mention to you. What God is trying to say to the people. The first thing God is trying to say is his people will become sons. You see, they're living in unfaithfulness. They're living synchronistic lives in culture. They are being drawn in different directions. And yet God keeps saying to them, his people will become my, they become my sons. Yet the Israelites will be like the sand, which is the prophecy from Genesis on the seashore, which can be, cannot be measured or counted in the place where it was said to them, you are not my people. They will be called children of the living God. And when we are loyal, and when we are faithful, and when we are obedient, and when we are committed, we are children, of course, of the living God. We are not orphans. We are not lost. We are not unloved. We are cared for because of God's relentless love. He says, you're my children. See, at the moment... The way you're living produces the fruit of defeat, the fruit of feeling unloved, the fruit of not having status. And rebellion against God always creates negative fruit within our lives. Sin creates suffering. What God is looking for is an intimate knowledge of Him and out of intimacy with Christ, Fruitfulness grows in our lives. So the more I'm intimate with Christ, the more fruitfulness grows within my life. And out of fruitfulness, I know my status. I know that I'm an heir. I know that I'm a son of the living God. Ladies, don't get worried about sons. It means sons and daughters, okay? It's okay. That's, that's what it means. It's like I've got to get over the fact that I'm part of the bride of Christ. And, and so we... We, we have this interchangeable, but we are accepted children of God, first of all. Secondly, God will not give up on his people. I love this. Therefore, I am now going to allure her. I will lead her into the wilderness and speak tenderly to her. Isn't that nice? I love romance. I'm not very good at it, but I love it. I've got to be careful because my mother-in-law and my father-in-law are on the front row this morning. 
But I know when I first knew Michelle and I had to allure her, had to speak tenderly to her and draw her into the wilderness of Worcestershire. (laughs) Had to sit by the great... The great oil wells of Worcestershire bringing the Worcestershire sauce out of the ground. <laughs> had to sprinkle it on her. But she was serious. She, I knew that my mum, before she passed away, would always meet with Michelle's mum on a Thursday evening. And often I'd hear that Michelle was coming as well. So I, that evening I'd decide to allure her and I'd go for a long jog and happen to turn up at my mother's house. In my shorts. So, I don't think that would have allured her. But there's that sense in Hosea that God is saying, you are an adulterous wife, Israel. But I am tenderly seeking intimacy with you. Imagine what Hosea would have gone through. You know, when a partner in a marriage commits infidelity, it is like somebody's died, but they're not dead. It is traumatizing, and you don't believe it, and you are thrown into pain and confusion. You're hearing voices and opinions of other people, but it can't possibly be this. It can't possibly be betrayal. It can't possibly have gone through that. And you go through the most darkest, the deep times in life. Because somehow you realize you've been rejected. You're not good enough. You're unloved. You're betrayed. And it's often, the psychologists tell us, it's not because of sometimes unhappiness. It's because of a deep loneliness within the individual that wanders. A deep unresolved attachment where they find it difficult to find attachment and find love and ironically they search for it in all the wrong places and God is saying there is a danger in our spiritual life that we search for intimacy and affirmation and love in all the wrong places you only find True love in the alluring intimacy of knowing the heart of God. And he restores the covenant relationship. I love this. The betrothal. He says, come on, I'm going I'm to marry you again if you like. We're going to renew our vows. We're going to work this out. We are going to win at this. Well, I'm committed enough in love and compassion to make this work, Israel. Because, and when you do this, when you know that you're a daughter, a son of the king, and when you know that, that you are, are loved and allured and cared for, and when you know that you're in a covenant relationship, do you know what the result of that knowledge is? Fruitfulness within your life. In that day, I will respond, declares the Lord. I respond with the skies, and they will respond to the earth, and the earth will respond to the grain, and new wine and olive 
oil. And they will respond to Jezreel. When you know that you are a child of God and loved, when you know that God loves you and you know that you're in a covenant relationship with him, your land becomes fruitful. I think we all could all do with some fruitfulness, couldn't we? Do you know what the pastor said to me in Watson? He said, your church has been coming here for 27 years. Watson Lake is a small town with a large community. I am not only the pastor, but I'm the bylaw officer. Not only is the bylaw officer, but with his Ram 300 he picks up cars that have broken down on the highway, so he's a pickup truck as well. It's like that cowboy town when you walk in and the man greets you at the, at the desk and lets you into the hotel and then he serves you at the bar and then he just, go, just keeps arriving. Yes? He says, he says, this is really strange, but I'm the bylaw officer and I've only written one ticket in three years. He said, I find it really weird. He said, I put it down to the fact that you've worked now with three generations of children. And that you have walked the land and prayed the land and partnered with us. And I see the fruitfulness of your labor in this northern town. When you pray and walk the land, it has an effect. It has a redemptive process. When you live as a son and a daughter in a living relationship with God and know your covenantal rights, you bear fruit. I give you a Messiah. Afterwards, Israelites will return to seek the Lord, their God, David, their king. And they will become trembling to the Lord. His blessing in the last days. I'm going to give you what you need. I'm going to give you the king of kings. I'm going to give you the Lord of lords. And you can hear the prophetic rumble coming through as, 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 as the prophets move in and out of current events to future events. Backwards and forwards. And finally, he says, he will heal them. Isn't that wonderful? Gomer, out of your slavery, out of your betrayal, out of your woundedness, out of your deep feelings of of being lost as a woman, like Israel, I'm going to take you back I'm going to give you his status. I'm going to cleanse you. I'm going to forgive you. And then I'm going to heal you. Because that's what the gospel does. It heals our broken hearts. It heals the wounds of our mistakes. It heals the brokenness. I will heal their waywardness and love them freely. For my anger has turned away from them. I will be like the Jew of Israel. He will blossom like a lily. Like the cedar of Lebanon. You know when things are getting exciting in scripture. When they start mentioning cedars of Lebanon. He will send down his roots. His young shoots will grow. His splendor will be like an olive tree. His fragrance like the cedar of Lebanon. 
People will dwell again in shade. They will flourish like the grain. They will blossom like the, like the vine. Israel's fame will be like the wine of Lebanon. God desires every one of you to flourish. God desires to heal you. God desires to redeem you. He, is, he desires to purchase you back from the slave market. He desires to speak intimately to you. He desires that you would become fruitful. And I know that as I pray through Hosea, and I try to read it every day throughout the week and meditate on it, I was just reminded again and again, Phil, you are a son of God. Live like a son. Know that I've loved you and chose you. Phil, seek my intimacy and prayerfully know God. Don't let knowledge slip from your life. Phil, remind yourself that you are covenant. You're in a covenant of the blood of Jesus that has purchased you eternal life. Look for the fruitfulness in your life where there's a fruit Seek that. Pray for fruitfulness. We will always remember that this only flows from the Messiah who comes to be king, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And when you understand these truths, then your brokenness and your pain will be healed, Gomer. You're a very complicated woman in the prophetic story. But even God loves you enough to buy you back and restore you and give you status. Nobody is beyond the redemption of the love of Christ. Sadly, Israel chose not. And like a pouncing leopard, they were swept away. But you and I are different. And I want to ask you, Are you faithful? Are you obedient? Are you growing in knowledge of the Lord? Are you seeking intimacy with Him? God's relentless love is seeking you. God's love cost Him everything. And God's love persists until the very end. He rolled the stone away. He died to vanquish our enemies. He gave himself for every one of us. Wow. That's Hosea. So read it this week. Get into it. And um, start to do it. And next week is Amos. Hmm. Let's stand together. Ask the Lord in a moment of quietness and gear change as we finish. Where are you in this journey? Are you putting trust in other things? Other gods? It's hard to gain a kind of parallels between Baal worship and... um, 
kind of Bronze Age society in a kind of feudal system. But the poetry speaks to us about in what areas of your own life have you become um, synchronized with the world and not synchronized with the kingdom of God? In what areas of knowledge do you lack and that lack of knowledge is polluting your walk? What areas do you need to confess and hand back over where you've been, yeah, you've been, you've been unfaithful in your heart to the God that saved your soul and you're not committed. You may have even been dragged here this morning. But it's time for you to come back, reach out, recommit. You've been purchased from the slave market, but you've still been living like one in slavery. Because you can be bought, but you can still have the attitude of a slave. But Christ desires to free you, forgive you, redeem you, and love you. And as we sing these words, let the truth wash over you this morning. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the epic, poetic sermons of Hosea. For his willingness to share the true nature of man and the true nature of God. And I pray that each one of us will know the joy it is to walk as sons, to walk in intimacy. To know covenant and how deep that runs within us. To be fruitful, living for the Messiah and be healed in all these ways, Lord. Help us, I pray.